First reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 32. You can find it on page 1096 in the church Bibles or on the screen. The believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Luke chapter 6, uh, verses 37 to 42. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Duane, and thank you, Rowena. Let me add my own welcome to Emmanuel this morning, and particular welcome if you're new or a guest here. Uh, my name's Tom, I'm the vicar here, and I would love, to, would love to meet you after the service if you are here for the first time. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word together. Father, we thank you that your voice speaks in the scriptures, that you have given us your word, the words of life. We pray, Lord, that you would open your word to us this morning. You'd open our eyes to see Jesus. You'd fill our hearts with your love by your spirit. And that you would enable us to live and love as Jesus did in our own church family. In his name we pray. Amen. Uh, so as we walk through the book of Acts together and we come to the end of chapter 4 this morning, we're, we allow the book of Acts to act as a mirror to our own church life. Uh, and today this beautiful, this heartwarming passage, uh, it's a picture of total unity. All the believers, we read in verse 32, were one in heart and mind. 
It's a story of radical generosity, selling their property for each other's needs. We read that no one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had, and there were no needy people among them. And one example of that, Barnabas sells his field, gives it to the church. What a wonderful window into the kind of community that God has created his church to be. Uh, it's an incredible picture. Can you, can you imagine it? Uh, no one in need in the entire community. There's at least 3,000 people part of the church in Jerusalem at this point, and not one of them was struggling because their needs were met by others in the church family. For a moment in time, they actually did make poverty history. Oh, we, we tried, didn't we, a few years ago? It was a wonderful thing, the Make Poverty History campaign. We didn't get very far compared to the world's need. For a moment in time, it actually happened. Uh, it, this, this is the dream that, that communism and socialism have been pursuing in the political arena, uh, and yet have never managed to achieve, uh, because in practice, laws and policies alone and any ideology, it can't change the human heart. It only changes the surface. Uh, so the great communist experiment that started so optimistically at the beginning of the, of the 21st century in many countries, it, it never quite managed to bear the fruit that was hoped for. Uh, and yet Acts shows us how it is possible for our life together to be marked by this overflowing generosity and togetherness, not through human effort, not through laws and policies, but by being transformed by the Spirit of God. Uh, because see what happened just the verse before our reading that leads into what happens in this passage. The, the disciples had all been filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. They'd been praying, they'd been at a prayer meeting together, and the Spirit of God fills them. And this is the result. Uh, and so the passage that we're looking at today, it's just a description of the difference that knowing Jesus makes. Uh, because if we are filled with the Spirit of love and unity... We will overflow in love to others because they were filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 31. They were one in heart and mind in verse 32. Uh, and they're living out in, in practice the teaching of the whole of the New Testament. So in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul writes this, Ephesians 4 verse 2. Uh, he tells the church, be completely humble and gentle. Uh, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, over all and through all and in all. And Paul then goes on in Ephesians 4 to say to the disciples that they have already had the unity of the Spirit. Now he says, work towards unity of the faith in Ephesians 4.13. And what he's saying is that we already have the unity of the Spirit. We're, we're given it. We're one in him. Uh, but we don't always see that in practice, do we? We don't always live up to that ideal of who we are in Jesus. Uh, and so we have to seek to live it out in practice. There have always been divisions between Christians or churches or families. Uh, and we want to work on those divisions, to grow closer together, to work towards unity in the faith knowing that we already have unity in the Spirit. Uh, he says something similar in Philippians 2. In Philippians 2, he says, if you have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if you know God and his Spirit, then have the same mind, being one in spirit and purpose. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of unity. He makes us one church. Because we belong to Jesus, it, it means that we belong to each other too. 
We're, we're all adopted as children of the same heavenly father, and so we become brothers and sisters. We're all filled with the same spirit, and so we are united by that spirit. Uh, and Ephesians and Philippians, they tell us that we've received the spirit of God. They tell us that we're one in him, and then they urge us to act like it. Uh, and that's what happens here in Acts 4. They receive God's love, and it overflows from them. Uh, we're commanded to be one, but here in Acts 4, it actually happens uh, and it happens in Acts chapter 4. They're one in heart and mind, not because they were particularly loving people, but because they were walking with a particularly loving God. My friends, this is the great news of the gospel. This is what Jesus has achieved for us already on the cross. It's not something we have to work out or strive. It's something that is already true. Ephesians 2 says he has torn down the dividing wall of hostility, that he's made the two one that we, you and I, we are now one in him. So let's live like it. And this is the kind of church that we want to be, isn't it? One of our core values, as Johnny said earlier, is that we are family. That means we belong to each other. Uh, well, this picture today of believers having everything in common, it, it's the twins, the one that Johnny preached on at our all-age service a few weeks ago. Uh, and there we read that the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we have in God's word. It's why we read the scriptures and study them each Sunday. Uh, we read that the believers devoted themselves to prayer, uh, that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to each other, and that they broke bread in their homes each day. They met en masse in the temple courts, thousands of them, and then day to day in homes with that smaller group of people where they could know and be known. And it's the same now. If we're a family, we're quite a big one. Uh, it's a, I don't know if you normally have as many people as are here in church right now around your dinner table on a Sunday lunch. It'd be quite a squeeze. Uh, it's a bit more like a clan gathering, isn't it, there, than a family unit. Uh, and so it's so important that within the life of the church, we enjoy the clan gathering on a Sunday morning, but we also find that smaller circle of people where we can all fit around the dinner table uh, and can know and be known and, and can be able to share more deeply than we can on a Sunday morning. Um, uh, and like with any human family, when the church gets it wrong, um, it's particularly painful, isn't it? Because family is meant to be that place where we're safe, where we're known, and when our human families uh, break or they're hurt or there's pain within them, we think it should be better than this, and yet so often it's not. And so it causes us great pain. And it's the same with the church. We are family. We're one in Jesus. We should be a light to the world in our love for one another. Uh, and so often church gets it wrong, and because it's less than it should be, it's particularly painful. Uh, and that's what happens in the next story. I'll be preaching on it this evening, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, uh, where they put their image and their reputation and their greed before everything else, and they lie to the church to make themselves look good. Uh, and their story is a reminder of the pain and the problems that follow when we don't come to serve, but we want to instead use others for our own benefit. And uh, I've experienced, as I know many of us have, the, the pain in the past of when church community goes wrong, when there's breakdown of relationship or loss of trust or betrayal. Uh, and it just makes us treasure, I don't know if it does this for you, it does for me, it makes me really treasure what we have in our own church family. Uh, I'm deeply grateful for, to John for leading the church so well for many years and for the, to Frank for leading this church so faithfully over many years. Emmanuel is a church family where we have a legacy of trust and unity and we praise God for it and we don't hold it lightly uh, because we have been made one in Jesus. That's a fact. However we treat one another, we belong to each other. 
because we are all adopted by the same Heavenly Father and we all share one spirit. That's true from the oldest of us to the youngest, from the richest to the poorest, from the person who's been here the longest to the person who's just walked in this week. We belong to one another because we belong to Jesus. Uh, And that means that you belong here this morning. Uh, I hope you don't doubt it. You belong here this morning if you belong to Jesus. Uh, However difficult you are, uh, however wounded or hurt you are, on our best day and our worst day, we belong to each other because we're one in him. Uh, And we're still imperfect, we're still sinful, we're still broken human beings, uh, me as much as anybody else. We have good days and bad days and we need to have grace for one another. But the good news is that our behaviour as a church, it's always rooted in our identity. That's the moral logic of the New Testament. It's always the same. Um, uh, It's often said in grammar that it's indicative and therefore imperative in normal language. The, The moral logic of the New Testament is be who you are. That's the message. Be who you already are. You, we are already one in him. So let's act, act like it. We already have the unity of the Spirit. So let's show it. Let's strive to live as the believers did in Acts 4, one in heart and mind. Because it's who we already are in Jesus. Uh, and in verse 32, we see the result of that here in the community in Acts 4. That because they were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. It's, it's an amazing statement, this question of ownership, because uh, it gets right to the heart of our priorities, of our hearts. Uh, the que- it's, it's not just about money, it's, it's a question of ownership. It's the question, whose are you? Who, who do you belong to? Uh, are you your own, or are you his? Whose are your possessions? Are they yours, or are they his? Whose is your heart? Is it yours? Is it his? Uh, This is the foundational principle of giving at every level of our time, of our energy, of our compassion, of our heart, of our resources. It's the concept of stewardship. And the concept of stewardship, it's the principle that it is all his. We just get to pass it on. Uh, We prayed in that wonderful prayer, we say, all things come from you and of your own do we give you. When we give to him of our time or our money or our resources or our energy or our love, we're just giving back to him what is already his. Uh, we never truly earned it, we just passed it on. We had to have this conversation a couple of weeks ago because Sophia um, wanted to take all of her dolls to heaven. She said, can I have this doll in heaven? And we talked about the fact that you can't take anything with you when we, d- when we die. Uh, when the game's over, it all goes back in the box. We just steward our possessions for this short time on earth. And the tragedy of consumerism is that so often in this culture we end up living for things that will just pass away, for the things that are material and temporary, clothes, house, car, whatever it is, rather than the things that will last forever, which is each other, as people will last forever. Uh, and we miss the clues that actually in the West, most of the time, we have too much stuff. It's not a problem. That we often think we don't have enough, but I think often our problem is the opposite. We have too much. Uh, we have too much stuff when our possessions actually distract us from God. Does that ever happen to you? I know it happens to me. When your possessions distract you from God, you have too much stuff. And when your possessions become a burden, you've actually got too much stuff. You don't need more to fix it. When it's a burden, you've got too much. And when your possessions make you anxious, when you have to serve them rather than them serving you, so often we have too much stuff. And it's not good for our hearts. 
Uh, and giving is a joyful thing. We discovered this, didn't we, in March, that incredible gift day, the sacrificial generosity of the church family together, that rejoicing as together we were able to step out to reach our community. We discovered the joy of giving sacrificially, that it is more blessed to give than, re than receive. Uh, Five-year-olds never understand that, but we come to learn it as we grow older, don't we? Moving from being owned by our possessions to the joy of sacrificial living. Uh, and that's why we love to give sacrificially as a response to what the Lord has done for us. It's why we created our hardship fund that we use to support those who are in need in our community. And if you are in need this morning, if you are struggling financially, we can help. Do come and chat to me at the end. Uh, we have resources to support those who are struggling. We want to be a family and to meet needs. Uh, it's why we collected food at Harvest for the North Guildford Food Bank and why many of us go and volunteer and serve there as we make sure that those in crisis receive food to help feed their families. It's why we're raising money today for the church in Santa Cruz and Bolivia and our mission partners, the Peets. It's why this time last year we raised money for the leprosy uh, mission hospital in Anandaban. Because we love to give as a response to what the Lord has given us. Just little symbols, just little um, pictures of a life overflowing with gratitude for how much the Lord has blessed us. Uh, in this passage, they actually sold fields to give to the church. Most of us probably don't have fields to sell. Um, and it's probably not wise for most of us to sell our houses and give to the church because we need to live in them. But I, I was thinking, well, how do we apply this? One, one application might be, Sarah and I need to do our will now that we've got kids. When you do come to do your will, perhaps, perhaps ask whether you can leave a legacy to the church from that. Uh, perhaps tie your estate to the church when it's no more use to you or pass it on to make a difference uh, afterwards. And the legacies we receive here make a huge difference to the mission that we're enabled to do. Uh, but I doubt that for most of us it will be selling fields and bringing them to the apostles. Um, because this isn't primarily about money. This is about our hearts, isn't it? It's about our whole lives together. Because we are not our own. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are bought at a price. And now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, is to actively give him everything, to lay everything on the altar. Because he lives in me. His spirit lives inside me. And so it's not my love because I'm so lacking in love. It's his love that flows through me. It's not my life because my life is so full of selfishness and brokenness. But it's his life that flows through me, that flows through us as we seek to live out the unity that God has already given us by his spirit. And so as we hold up the mirror from the book of Acts to our own lives, our own community, I wonder... How much does this kind of total unity, how much does this kind of self-denying, sacrificial generosity describe our life together? The expression of God's love through us. Isn't this the kind of church we want to be? I know I do. Uh, inhabiting our identity. It begins by coming to Jesus. He makes us one together in him. It begins by being filled to overflowing with his spirit and his love. It all has to come from him. And then we live out who we already are. We act on the fact that we are now brothers and sisters. Uh, and I know how far from this my heart can often be. It was brought home to me really strongly when I spent some time in South America. And we led a little mission trip uh, onto the Chaco in Argentina uh, to live among the Wichí people, so an indigenous reservation in Argentina the most desperate poverty I've ever experienced. 
Um, and for the whole time we were there, I think it was uh, 10 days or so, we ate two meals a day and it was a boiling pot of water and this kind of rice-like mash went into the water and then we kind of spooned it up. It wasn't eating, even eating boiled rice. I'd, I remember longing for boiled rice. It was a watery mash with a rice-like pulp. Um, and after two or three days, I was so grumpy. Uh, my body was just crying out for vitamins. I was dreaming of an orange or pro protein. Oh, I was in my 20s. I wanted protein. Uh, and I was the most miserable person to be around. I, I lasted about 24 hours before I got hangry. Um, and then some, what broke my heart, on the last day we were there, I'd been really grumpy. And we'd been trying to lead these, this kind of mission trip and to talk, talk about Jesus. The, um, the community, the Wichi people, they went and they called us a fish and they, they, roasted it, they roasted it on the fire and they brought it to us. There was none for any of the people there who lived on the reservation who'd been eating just this rice-like mash every day, day after day. There were five or six of us in the team and they gave us this fish. And I remember when the, they brought the plate and I could smell the, the protein. <laughs> uh, my, uh, I was salivating. I ate it so quickly. I had no thought of asking to share it with anyone else. I devoured it. And it was such a picture to me of how selfish I am when I just lack a little bit of food. And the incredible hospitality of these people who had nothing. And out of their nothing gave to us who were so rich in comparison. They showed me the love of God and it, it really humbled me that time. My friends, the church is the community that Jesus died to create. On that cross, when he died in my place and yours, he tore down the barrier that separates us from God. And he tore down the barrier that separates us from each other. Our sin, our selfishness, our pride, all the things that wreck our human relationships. Nailed to that tree, we have died with him. We are a new people. We are an Easter people. And because we belong to Jesus, we now belong to each other. Whoever you are, on your best day and your worst day, you belong in this church family if you are following Jesus. We are united by the same Spirit. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And that one Spirit who lives in each one of us is a Holy Spirit. And he reveals himself in our relationships. In Acts 4, we see a community so transformed by the Spirit, they didn't even consider their possessions their own. And there were no needy people left among them. Reminds me of the um, words John Wesley used to say. He used to charge us, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. My friends, this is who we are. We are bought at a price. We are accepted in the beloved Son. We are welcomed home. We are part of the family of God. Will we act like it? Will we live out in our church community here, our identity? Will we live out the love that Jesus has so freely shown us? We are one in heart and mind. And so we ask the Lord to fill us with his spirit and through us to show that love and that generosity in the way we use our money, in the way we use our time, in our attitude, in our words, in all that we do. Let's show the love that Jesus has died to set at the heart of his church. Would you stand with me as the band come back? And let's pray. And as is our custom here, we'll take a couple of minutes just of quiet and allow God's spirit to apply his word to our hearts. And if you're anything like me, you really need this. <laughs> Uh, because God's Spirit, He is the Holy Spirit, He's the Spirit of wisdom, He's the Spirit of compassion, He's the Spirit of Jesus. 
and my heart is so selfish and so, so unlike Jesus so much of the time. You might find it helpful to hold out your hands if you're going to receive something in that posture of expectant receiving. And we pray, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of unity, Spirit of love, would you fill our hearts afresh with your love this morning? Spirit of unity, would you change our hearts and would you give us that one mind, that one heart and one mind that we might devote ourselves to each other? Come Holy Spirit, we pray, fall afresh on us as we wait on you and change us by your love. Come Lord Jesus, as we wait and as we stand in his presence, just be attentive to what the Lord might want to do in your heart. Uh, for some of us, he shows us some of the broken parts, some of the selfishness and the pride. And you might just need to offer him something and say, Lord, I'm sorry for that relationship where I haven't shown your love. Lord, I'm sorry for where I've been putting myself forward and putting myself first. And just receive again the grace of the one who loves us. For some of us, perhaps we don't yet know him. We haven't become a Christian, um, but we want this. You might just want to open the door of your heart and say, Lord, I want to be part of this family. I want to know your love in my life. Would you come in, Lord Jesus, and change my heart? For others of us, we might just want to pray, Lord, give me your heart for your people. Lord, would you melt my heart? Would you give me the love that you have? Help me to see and feel as you do. Come, Lord Jesus, and change my heart, I pray.